Good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel. It is good to be with you. It's uh, December 23rd. We're just a couple of days away from Christmas, and it is day 357 of our three-year journey through God's Word, which means we're rapidly approaching the one-third mark, which where we'll be at the end of our first year together. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on 2 Timothy 3 today. Father, thank you for being with us as our God, for never leaving us nor forsaking us, for working all things for your glory and our good. Thank you for the precious gift of your word. Please write it on our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janice and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is 2 Timothy chapter 3. It is just um, one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. And uh, excited to be digging into it together this morning. And again, 2 Timothy is the final letter from the Apostle Paul. 
It is his final word of instruction to his young apprentice in the faith and in the ministry, Timothy. But more truly and richly than that, it is God's word to his people, uh, especially as connected into the church and ministry leadership within the church. The two sections in this chapter, I think, very well divided by the ESV. First of all, it's the idea in the first half of the chapter of the fact that we are living in the last days, and we really have been living in the last days ever since uh, the ascension of Jesus and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. We've been living in the last days, and so there are times of difficulty, and people fall into these patterns of reckless behavior. And then there's, so that's the negative, and then there's the positive call to hold fast to Scripture and to be faithful in ministry. So let's take a look at the negative, first of all. Um, When I was growing up, when I was first being sort of trained in the Bible and in Christian thinking in my high school years, I always thought of the last days as being that future period right before the Great Tribulation or right before the rapture of the church or right before the second coming of Jesus, this sort of period of time. And so if you saw patterns like this happening in the world, it would be evidence to certain Bible teachers and thinkers that we are definitely living in the last days, by which they meant that Jesus was most assuredly coming back within our generation. There's no way in the world. Uh, If you had asked me in 1990, when I was a junior in high school, if we would be sitting here having a Bible study in the year 2022, some 32 years in the future, I would have said, that's highly unlikely. I think we'll be raptured out of here by then, or I think Jesus will have come by then, you know, and and I was wrong, of course. And one of the main reasons why I was wrong is that I didn't understand the way that the Bible uses the phrase last days, end times, and that is to refer to the the now state that we live in, in the already but not yet arrival of the kingdom of God among his people. Jesus inaugurated the last days when he died, rose again, ascended into heaven, and poured out the Holy Spirit. That that series of redemptive events, the death of Christ on the cross to take care of our sins and secure righteousness for us, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to be our justification and our eternal life, his ascension into heaven, his session at God's right hand, his continual intercession for us, his pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon us. This is, those are the culminating redemptive events by which all that was promised in the Old Testament was finished. Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. And he appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he opened up for them the scriptures and showed them how everything that was written about him in the scriptures had to be fulfilled, and it had been fulfilled. So with that fulfillment comes in the last days. One of the clearest ways we see that is at Pentecost, Peter gives a sermon, and he references the prophet Joel, and Joel prophesies that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And Peter says, here's the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh, not just those anointed office holders like prophets, priests, and kings, but now we are all 
receiving the Holy Spirit, because in fact, we are all prophets, priests, and kings. And so referencing Joel and saying, this is the scripture that's fulfilled. It's clearly a last day's prophecy from the book of Joel. But you see this again and again in the scriptures. Hebrews chapter one is a very clear way. At various times, in various ways, God spoke to our forefathers in the past through the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. So we're living in the last days. We've been living in the last days ever since Pentecost. And in the last days, the second coming of Jesus is always soon. We know the gospel needs to go to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation on earth. And then Jesus will come again. But that return is always very close at hand. And there's always been this sense of the imminent return of Jesus Christ, which means we shouldn't be surprised when we look around and we see people who are lovers of self and lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. These kind of people being prevalent in the world and even being prevalent among professing Christians is one of the sure indications that we are in fact living in the last days and we are in times of difficulty. I would say we are living in the tribulation and so we need to be aware of that. And Paul's instruction regarding people like this is very clear. Avoid such people. Avoid them. Don't associate them with them. Don't identify with them. Don't welcome them into your home. Don't, don't give money to their causes. Don't, don't follow after their priorities. There is a, a measure of separation that is required for the people of God. And they creep into households, right? And they, they capture people always learning and never able to come to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Boy, and this is before the internet. In 1990, when I thought we were living in that, it was before the internet. How I didn't even anticipate how the internet would multiply uh, this kind of thing exponentially. The ways that they that the internet can bring these false teachers and these proud people and these arrogant people and these unholy people into our lives to influence our families in ways that we didn't anticipate and can't control entirely, and it's terrible. Right? It's a terrible time that we live in. It compares them to Janice and Jambres. And you might have been thinking, well, well who are Janice and Jambres? Because we've read through all of Moses now as our first year of our three-year Bible reading plan. We went through all the life of Moses and all the people who opposed him. And you read your Old Testament very, very carefully. You're never going to find these characters named Janice and Jambres. So who are they? Well, Jewish tradition and picked up here by Paul, who, of course, was trained as a Pharisee and, and, and as a, a rabbinical student, Janus and Jambres are names given to the Egyptian magicians who opposed Moses when he went before Pharaoh. So they're the ones who did the false signs and wonders to oppose. So these are people who oppose the Christian faith, who oppose the gospel of Jesus Christ, and who offer an alternative. They oppose the truth. They're corrupted in their mind. They're disqualified regarding the faith. And Paul assures us they're not going to get very far. Their folly will be plain to all, as was that of these two men. Those two men, those two Egyptian magicians, were very much exposed as being 
inferior by God sending ever-increasing signs and wonders. So, so we live in a godless age, and there's times when that godlessness and that selfishness and that fleshliness and that worldliness creeps its way into the church and among God's people, and we are simply not to associate with people like that. We are to speak the truth about them in love. We are to expose them for what they are, but we are not to associate with them. So what are we to do? If that's the negative, what's the positive? What do we do then about it? Do we protest? Do we picket? Do we petition? Do we post? No, none of those things. We remain faithful to what God has given us. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing. We can't think in a worldly way. God rescued Paul from all of these persecutions, but now he is awaiting a death sentence for his testimony in Jesus Christ. And yet he will be delivered from that as well. Because as we're going to see in the next chapter, when we get back to it in a few days, Paul is confident that there is laid up for him in heaven a crown of life that's waiting not only for him, but for all who long for Christ's appearing. So what what is the call here? Persevere in what you know to be good and true and right. Be faithful even unto death, through persecution. You don't let persecution cause you to break your Christian character and lash out with anger and hatred at people who've lashed out at you with anger and hatred. That's just acting like the world. I mean, that's, that's what the world does, doesn't it? Like, you insult me, I'm going to insult you back worse. You call me a name, I'll call you a worse name. You go after my family, I'm going to go after your family. That's the way the world works, and that should not be the way Christians work. We should not sink to slinging mud at people we disagree with, we should show the righteousness and the character of Christ. And we should just know that verse 12 is true. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So don't be surprised if the world calls us haters or bigots or Neanderthals or mocks our faith or even calls our moral convictions evil. Don't be surprised at it. There are far worse things that they could do. There are far worse things that they might do in the future. But we are called to be steadfast, not angry, not aggressive, not hostile, but faithful. Continue in what you have learned. How do we do that? We do that through the scriptures. We continue what we've learned through the sacred writings, through the scripture. Verse 15 refers to the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then verse 16 refers to all scripture. By staying grounded in the scriptures, by growing in the scriptures, by walking in the scriptures, by teaching the scriptures, by proclaiming the scriptures, the word of God is our path of faithfulness and the spirit of God is our power for faithfulness. And it's by word and spirit together with God's people 
that we walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling as Christians, as those who belong to Christ in this world. All scripture. That's why we're going through the entirety of the Bible, one chapter at a time, over the course of three years, because all scripture is breathed out by God. It is the very word of God, and it is profitable to teach us what is true, to reprove us when we are wrong, to correct us by redirecting us to the right way, and to train us in righteousness so that we can walk in righteousness to please God. And the result of it is that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So tomorrow and the next day, we're going to be going back to the book of Judges, and we're going to see some pretty negative, awful things. And it's going to be some stuff that's hard to stomach, frankly. The last couple of chapters of Judges are some of the darkest chapters in all of, of Scripture. Is that profitable to us too? Yes, it is. And we'll see why when we go to those chapters tomorrow and the next day. But just know that don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the evil in the world. Don't be surprised even when that evil encroaches into the church. And don't be surprised when faithful Christians are persecuted for believing the truth. Don't respond with anger. Don't respond with hostility. Don't respond with name-calling and being as, as abusive and heartless and slanderous as they are, right? They're being abusive and heartless and slanderous toward us. And we don't say, let's be abusive and heartless and slanderous back. No. But what do we do? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. That's what Jesus calls us to. And we only learn that by following the scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for you are good and faithful. And in you, we are secure. And we are not shaken. Even though we live in corrupt, deceived, and deceiving times. Keep us faithful to Christ. By the power of your grace. And for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining me for 2 Timothy 3 today. Tomorrow we will be back in the book of Judges. Hope you can join me for that. And as always, I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.